This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project that features artists and arts professionals discussing their work, ideas, and lives, offering listeners a forthright and unique understanding about the process, experiences, and people behind the artistic pursuit. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, long-form, and unscripted. Deep Color is independently produced and a free resource for listeners. Help support Deep Color during our first-ever fall-winter fundraiser. We are producing and selling a limited number of t-shirts featuring artwork by Episode 38 contributor Maya Ruth Lee. The shirt features an image of Maya's Labyrinth Steel Glyph Chart, which was included in the 2019 Whitney Biennial. The image holds a wonderful range of visual information, from poetic text to sharp graphics and photos of Maya's sculptures. This classic fit unisex shirt is 100% cotton, sustainably made and printed at Kingsland Printing in Brooklyn. All proceeds will go towards offsetting deep color production costs and ensure excellent future programming. To see the shirt in order, visit the shop page at deepcolorpodcast.com. Maya and I are really excited about this collaboration. We hope that you'll show support by placing an order today. This episode profiles Eric White. Eric makes representational oil paintings that often depict cinematic scenes or the unsettling but graceful interactions between people and objects. Scenes like a pair of hands reaching at a trove of mysterious keepsakes that are hidden in a wall, or vintage muscle cars awkwardly parked below brutalist architecture. Eric uses carefully crafted reference material to inform his paintings. He typically makes digital collages to paint from. More recently, he has been building sets and hiring models, and using these components to compose the image he wants to paint, not unlike how a film director organizes the scene they want to shoot. The paintings are full of incredible technical skill, visual clues and references, and weave in and out of a type of dream state. We recorded this conversation in his studio in the Gowanus section of Brooklyn, just before he moved back to Los Angeles. It's always interesting to hear kind of the, the professional slash artistic um, trajectory of someone. Yeah. And one of the things that you and I have in common is that we both studied and came out of um, the illustration community. And in, it, for one reason or another, uh, we're either prompted or shifted towards presenting our work in a gallery setting or, or you know, something that we could identify as the contemporary art world. Can you talk about that shift from one to the other and, and maybe maybe what prompted that that decision? Was it was it natural? Was it a choice? Uh, were you wrestling with one context and the other context seemed to make more sense? Um, it was, I'd say it was a choice. Uh, at the time it, it well, what happened, I, basically because I could do caricature work, I ended up getting a lot of it and it ended up feeling very throwaway and it was celebrity based stuff for weekly magazines that it just wasn't very uh it just wasn't very satisfying right I guess. right 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 and probably and something you wouldn't paint on your own it's definitely things i wouldn't i wouldn't have painted danny devito you know i mean i just it wouldn't have happened but i kind of but it, but it sure as hell was a good day job. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I, 
I, it was better than I was setting my own schedule and working at home. It was beautiful, but I content wise, it wasn't what I would have chosen. Now, now it all makes perfect sense. At the time it was kind of depressing because I, I saw Jordan kind of doing his thing and it was, it was him and it was his work. And I felt like my, I, I it just, I was able, I, I inserted myself into these things as whenever possible and as much as possible, but uh, you know, I made them as strange as I could, but it was, you know, I had art directors and editors breathing down my neck saying, well, well that's too strange. You need to <laughs> rein that in a little bit. You can't make that person look that ugly or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I got good in it and I did enjoy it. And I I look at that sort of as boot camp because I really got my chops up. And when I look at the progression and I look at the, even just on a level of technique, the early stuff, I really improved and that all enters into everything I do now. So I'm grateful for all that. And I'm also very grateful that uh, I got bored with that and it kind of started driving me nuts. And that pushed me, had I been doing something that was maybe more, you know, more connected to, I mean, it sounds cheesy to say my soul or something, but Mm -hmm. it it just, if if, if it had been more of a true expression, I may have, not had the desire to move away from, yeah, from it. That so makes perfect I'm, sense. I'm really grateful for that, that I, that I actually had the desire to get away from it because it was, it just was not what I, I knew that was, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that long term. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good awareness. Not we, yeah. sometimes people ignore that. So you're, you're responding and reacting to it, which is important. Yeah. I mean, maybe part of it is, is just that I get bored easily, but I, <laughs> I, I, I just felt like it wasn't, I felt like there was other places I needed to go and this wasn't going to deliver that. Um, And so then I did start to just kind of make stuff on my, you know, make stuff on the side that had nothing to do with that. And I ended up, um, I ended up getting connected with a gallery in LA that was, that was open to, you know, they looked at what I just basically had an illustration portfolio. Well, Okay, that was the thing. Like Mondo 2000, working for them, they they allowed total freedom. So I had mm-hmm. these two things going on simultaneously. Those those, I would I would get to do whatever I wanted for them, and then I'd be doing these very commercial things on the other side of that. Th- those were actually paying the bills. Mondo paid nothing, but it it allowed me to have freedom. So I knew that was there, and so I showed some of the stuff to a gallery in L.A. and they were they they offered me um, a show. So yeah. That was kind of the beginning of it, and it was really a 10-year transition period from doing all commercial to just doing gallery. Yeah, that's not unlike my story as well, kind of feeling like, you know, this is stuff I wouldn't make on my own, or it's not coming, it's not originating from within, um, yeah. and want, like feeling not quite satisfied yeah. by it. But also, like at the time, I remember as a, as a young illustrator, yeah. you'd have your, like your professional portfolio pieces, but then you'd have a section was called personal work. Do you remember this? And I always remember being way more excited about yeah. my personal work. Yeah. And at, at a, like, I feel like I woke up one morning. I was like, you know what? That's where I, I need to see where that door is going to take me. Yeah. And I fully fucking ran through it. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, I, th- I feel like it's very easy to um, start off with talking about your technical gifts and your ability to execute 
Uh, and that's something I definitely want to talk about. But, you know, one of the things that first brought me into your work that pulled me in were the ideas and the narratives and, and the sort of unsettledness or the dreamlike quality of the, the story, the pictorial story that you're presenting to me as a viewer. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about ideas um, and this notion of, of how an idea is, is found, uh, how it is developed and changed. Um, and maybe we could even talk about that operative word. I use the word found, like finding ideas. We usually say, where did you get that idea from? Mm -hmm. As if an idea is on a shelf and you can just pick just, it up. Right. And I think that's not quite accurate. I think a more appropriate word might be arriving in a, at an idea or constructing an idea. Mm. So I'm wondering how you cultivate ideas and how you develop ideas and uh, um, try and get them from the mind out. Um, it's when I think it's pretty interesting because there's a range of ways it happens and I don't really understand most of them. Um, no, that's fine. I think a lot of the stuff is inexplicable. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's, I mean, uh, you know, maybe when people look at my work, the first thing they notice is the technique. But to me, actually, the ideas behind them are more important. And I used to gravitate when I was younger to work that had phenomenal technique. And I and but now I, the, I mean, it's 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 I guess always been the case in my personal work. But, um, you know, post illustration work. But um, even just in terms of what I gravitate to in, in terms of looking at other work it's shifted since I was younger, you know, quite a bit. So, so to me, there needs to be something going on behind the technique. And I think that's a problem I have with a lot of the kind of lowbrow stuff that comes out is that it's just, it's pretty surface and there's not much going on. It's all style, it. so, no substance. Yeah. yeah. So, um, in terms of arriving at ideas, I mean, I, you know, there's the, there's one series, the LP series, came directly from the dream state. That's the only time I think it's happened that directly where I literally pulled it straight from a dream. Um, and so sometimes I feel like I need to just really work at an idea. Other times they're just there. Mm -hmm. And I've also, I know that I have actually, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I know that I've channeled ideas that, came from somewhere else that were not mine. Right. Um, and I don't really know how to explain that. I just, I've just proven a couple times that that's the case. Mm -hmm. Um, for instance, that one right there, I can talk about that. And also the, one of the ones in the book that we were looking at. Um, and maybe that just sounds too strange to even talk about, but the dream one I know is real other, you know, other ones. I mean, I think this one too is, was one where that, that, the, these this offering series that idea was just there i don't yeah. I, I don't i can't even take credit for it necessarily because the i just had the idea it w and then it just made sense mm -hmm. Let me, i'm going to describe this painting okay it, it was a painting that was in um a recent show and you told me before we hit record is that you put the painting up on the wall and it wasn't quite ready it was it wasn't wasn't finished, which was maybe the first time I've ever heard that. So you have it back at the studio. It's been sold. It's been placed. Yet you're kind of resolving it in a way. But this painting is is a 
is a horizontal and it features two hands going into uh, what looks like a hole in a wall in a, in a, in a home and there's like a secret compartment um, and it's not a hole like uh, like a door. It's like a hole that's been punched or pulled open. And on the interior of this wall, you can see some two by fours in like the back side of the drywall. But there's a strange little collection. There's like some insect collection. There's some pornography. There's these little keepsakes or tchotchkes or, or photos or little bits of toys. But there's this very tender gesture with the hands as it's like going in to carefully... You know, I have a question, is the, are these hands putting an object in or taking it out? I mean, I like that slippage. Um, yeah. But this, this is a very in. sort of open-ended yet specific picture. Yeah. Yeah, she's putting that object in there. She basically, and it's in her office, so she, uh, there's, there's a, a woman is building these little secret shrines inside of her walls uh-huh. in her office. So she's bashing these holes in the sheetrock and placing objects inside the wall and then covering them with a poster or something uh-huh. so that they're 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 hidden they're hidden from view from the rest of the people in the office she does these i guess after people have left work for the day or something but they're meant to be these little secret shrines that are inside of her office mm-hmm. uh you know some of the things that i think about when i have, i look at your work are and, and maybe we can just directly bridge these to the, the, the conversation about ideas we were just having. Mm-hmm. But um, I think of cinematic moments. These these feel like scenes from film sometimes. Uh, I think about uh, um, relationships uh, between objects, whether it's two cars having a narrative of some sort or two people or hands. I feel like hands are a reoccurring image in your painting and, and, and you know, I think the way that you depict hands is uh, is just out of this world. I mean, that's one of the measures for for like if someone could can properly draw, can they can they take on drawing hands? And I feel like you shut that conversation down with oh, how thanks. you depict hands. Thanks. Yeah, they're tough. But, yeah. Uh, um, you know, and then there's all these ideas that surround surrealism and realism and illusion because there's a lot of Trump loyal. Is that how you say it? Uh, Trump Loy. Trump Trump Loy in some of your in some of your paintings. Yeah. So there's this uh, illusionistic aspect, mm-hmm. um, and then even more specifically, there's there's these Americana references. There's pop culture references. I know music plays a role in your life and in the pictures that you make. Whether you're yeah. you're painting uh, your interpretation of an album cover or a stack of records that are part of the environment in the scene or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk about how all these different components uh, sort of come together in different ways. And and if that description or my read of your work is accurate. No, I think it is accurate. It's very good. I, I, I just, uh, it's funny. I, I, don't th- I don't know that that answer I gave a minute ago about ideas w- made any sense even. But um, It's a hard thing to talk about where it ideas is, it come is. from. And I feel like I'm better at articulating through paint than words sometimes and I, and I, and I, so I even struggle with putting it into words sometimes, but, um, and not like it's really some magical process, although sometimes it does feel that way, but that's rare. Mm -hmm. Usually I'm working at these things and, and for this, this body. Okay. So the cinematic thing, I mean, my work is tied. That's a constant too. I feel like that goes back 20 years. And these are, it does. And these are probably the least cinematic, uh, at least the least directly tied to film mm-hmm. 
um, of any work I've done since the beginning. Because these are not pulling as much directly from film. Because I do a lot of stuff that does appropriate from, yeah. you know, appropriate yeah, you're sourcing film material, references. Uh, images from film, yeah. And these don't really do that. These are kind of these environments that I just built. And it all takes place in a sp specific period of time with one central character uh, in this environment in a, in a kind of specific yet non-specific place in America. Mm -hmm. um, and... It's funny because this, the core of this idea is actually probably 25 years old, I think, uh, or 20 years old. I think after my first or second show, I had the initial idea basically about this woman that's having a sort of psychotic break and a spiritual epiphany at mm -hmm. the same time. And who I knows? That comes through in this. I mean, it's really, you've got the violence of the hole in the wall that's been punched. Mm -hmm. You've got the sort of dancer-like grace of the placement of the objects and these sort of very personal items. I, I mean, you know, I don't know if that's like a self, like a self Polaroid picture of a sexual act or, um, but there's like this nice shift between, you know, the sort of generosity of what's going on in there, but also the sort of aggression of that hole and that punch. Mm. And also I like the kind of graphic, quality of it just in the floating white yeah. space and then there's just this thing central and that's the, so there's two other ones like this there's about to be two more at least so there'll be at least five of these mm -hmm. when the thing is done yeah yeah we talked about then, that before I hit record the um, uh, negative space around it's really nice yeah i like the i like what you said about that uh you mentioned that um you know you shifted from acrylic to oil paint let's talk about process i mean i that's you know a very important part of your practice is the technical execution yeah uh walk me through how you make one of these does it do you do research do you do sketches do you do a certain amount of obs like just looking at images because i know film is you know sometimes a, a starting point yeah well i'm always looking at film yeah um whether it enters in or not i mean certain things i, I think i used to well no i i'm, I'm always kind of looking for things when i'm watching I, i'm obsessed with film so i'm watching movies all the time yeah and I'm always looking at compositions and if there's a frame that I really like, I'll take a still of it. Mm -hmm. um, so this one, this one, um, once I had the idea, I did a really rough pose with someone. Oh. Um, and then I, I just tried it with hands on a wall and then I took that into Photoshop and uh, found, uh, just found a photo of, uh, of sheetrock with a hole in it, mm -hmm. put her hands into that. Um, that was the very first thing, just to do it as sort of a test. And when I liked that idea, uh, and I started throwing little objects in there in the computer, just just mm -hmm. taking photos of things I had or finding things online and just placing them inside the wall. Because the initial idea was felt solid, but I wanted to do a test. So I did that. I liked it. And then I actually built a fake wall in here and smashed a hole in the sheetrock and hired a couple models with really nice hands to um, stick their hands, yeah. stick their hands in this hole. And you were photographing it. Then I was photographing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had it right here set up and I would, um, and I have a bunch of shots of her just from different angles, from high and low angles. Cause I didn't know how I was going to compose them at all. I just wanted to get as, as much coverage on it as I could. So I just had her placing an object inside the wall and I didn't know if I was going to, at that point I still was considering revealing her face or part of her face. Mm hmm. So I, I took, you know, a couple hundred shots probably of, of 
her actually reaching her hands inside this hole in the wall. Yeah. And then are you using these photographs as straight image reference to recreate from, or is a little bit of invention? And I mean, obviously there's probably some invention involved. There's some some invention and there's, and there's, and I mean the tough, I wish I wasn't so much of a perfectionist, but I am, you know, so I can't really not have it be in perspective. So I try really hard to, to nail that stuff down. So it looks like it makes sense inside the wall. And in this one, it's a little, it's a little confusing because the back is so flat and it is a very graphic shape. Uh-huh. But inside the wall, you see it's in perspective yeah, at yeah. an angle. So Yeah, the depth is there. So that wall is fading back, even though when you kind of look at the left side, it flattens out a bit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so, I mean, there's not much invention. There's a little bit, but not much invention mm-hmm. in the hands because I'm just basically looking at the anatomy in the photo and, and I need to look at something. To, I, I couldn't do that out of my head. Some people can, but I can't really right. do that. Um, and then, you know, I started to actually set, well, for the Polaroid, I actually set it up inside the wall just for lighting and things Mm -hmm. and took another photo. There's a lot of work in Photoshop. There's a lot of collaging in the computer and straightening out the perspective and things like that. Um, but actually in this show I did less and I also, that used to, I used to basically build a full collage and not deviate very much from that one side. So I do almost all the work in the computer spit that thing out and then look at the printout of that and work from that and not really deviate. Yeah. And now I I made a choice to change that process up because it just, it just got a little too tedious and sure. I didn't, it just then became, you know, the, the fun part was the idea and then composing and all that. And now, and then, so then it would just be about execution. Once I had that, once I had the composition built, it would just be a matter of painting it and that became boring. So this was also kind of in a way the riskiest show that I've done, especially those three big ones, because I didn't really know. I had to start them without knowing where they were going exactly. Right. So basically there's a really ugly imposing building in that, that apparently is a pretty famous brutalist building. From It's the Denver General Hospital, um, opened in 1970. Is it in Denver? It's in Denver, mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of people have um, said it looks like something that's in Connecticut. I can't remember what it is, but I think it's, it was a famous brutalist architect. I just found it because it because it kind of terrified me. It's just a very ugly. It's just an imposing office building. It doesn't necessarily look like a hospital. I just like the coldness of it. Um, so I basically started these three seven by twelve canvases by locking in just the horizon line and putting the building in perspective. And they were each in different perspectives. It's basically three different perspectives of the same scene in a parking lot of this big building. So that was the most kind of open-ended work that I've ever done, which was terrifying and much more satisfying in the end. But the process was, for me, much riskier because I didn't know how right. things were going to work out. Right. And you usually sort of, you can see it, but you can see the end before you even start. So this was maybe a new wrinkle in, in that sort of, well, it was just a deeper dive into that yeah. because I, I, I've been intentionally moving away from doing that and yeah. leaving things much more open-ended. Like this was the first piece I started for the, that show, which didn't end up in the show. And for a little context, this is a show that closed a month or two ago at Grimm gallery. Yep. Yeah. Closed in November, uh, or no, sorry. Closed in January yeah. of this year. Um, so yeah, yeah, so, so I had been working towards opening up my process a little bit and not 
being so reliant on that initial composition and getting that exactly right before starting work. Right. I mean, I guess I've been doing that for a while, but I'm just, I'm just, I've just been kind of leaning into to it a little more. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like we have to note that one of your, I mean, the, the exceptional craft in your work is that I feel like I can often tell when someone is using a photo reference, like you can see it in the way it's depicted. Yeah. There's there's none of that in, oh, good. in, in okay. your paintings, which is like a tip of the hat to your craft and your ability to sort of like take that tell away. Um, so Thanks. it's really interesting to hear that like how how composed and doing photo shoots and building these still lives to actually recreate from it does not show up in the in the end result. You know, I mean, I sometimes wonder it, is is the high level of craft or technique or whatever is that a barrier for some people? Cause they see that and then they just like walk away and they don't really even get to the idea or I, sure. I, I mean, I wonder about that. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, I guess that's why I wanted to lead with the ideas. Cause I feel like that is always in the foreground when I'm paying attention to your work. The, the, you know, the other thing I think worth talking about, it's, it's really fascinating to hear you talk about these like slight shifts and how you compose and, and realize these. Um, but I've always felt that, uh, your work has been incredibly consistent. Um, and almost that like consistency is a radical act. Uh, uh, you know, the, the urge to like change or like trying a different artistic identity is something that I've definitely sort of battled with for better or worse. Um, or even this idea of, of that sort of inserts itself into the edu the education of an artist, uh, particularly at the grad graduate level with de-skilling. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, such a good you, you word. sort of have, 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 I mean, there's like 10, 15 years ago, like art form was doing whole issues about de-skilling, de-skilling, but you, that. but you've sort of, uh, stayed the course. Uh, and you know, I think that's worth noting, um, this sort of consistency and dedication to this way of putting a picture together. Well, thanks. I get, I, I, I definitely have had insecurity about it in the past, but I just, at a certain point, I guess, realized this is just how I work and I have to just accept it. I'm never going to be some cool downtown artist that th splashes shit around on a can. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> and I do, there is some kind of perverse satisfaction with doing these cra this crazy, like putting a magnifying thing on and yeah. working with a two hairbrush and doing this. Mi I, I mean, I've always been fascinated by micro, were you know micro i used to i used to sharpen get a mechanic the smallest mechanical pencil and then sharpen that down to a point and see how small i could write words yeah you you've know, done like, some like post like some stamp size works before yeah that are incredibly detailed yeah and even on those seven by 12 i wanted to make sure to have some of the tiniest little details like i've recreated the herbie hancock headhunters album cover on that thing and I went pretty extreme on it mm -hmm. um, so it, it did feel kind of ridiculous and these things were locked on the wall because I couldn't move them I couldn't move them at all once they were up so I was basically hunching down sitting on that little stool foot, foot stool there like, yeah horrible posture just for hours painting these little faces the size of you know like smaller than a dime of the, all the guys on that Herbie Hancock record do you ever fight with these paintings? Oh, Are yeah. they battles? These ones were battles. The 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 the, the three big ones were were battles. Yeah, I mean, 
I've been definitely driven insane by my work before. I mean, the part it's nice to now now that I, you know I I never had a studio. We didn't really have, we didn't have good studios at RISD, and so I never used them. And I just got accustomed to working at home. Um, also, I had mono for a year, so I had to work at home anyway. I didn't really leave my bed, and I was working from there. And then I just kind of got used to working uh, at home. And even when I moved to California, I worked at home. It wasn't until I moved to New York. I did I did the Earl McGrath show in my apartment. It was a good sized place, but they literally were driving me insane because they were hung up everywhere. And at that point I had a really, ter- I, I don't have a great schedule now, but at that point I, I was working till six or eight in the morning. So the sun's coming up and I'm finishing up and I go in to get my toothbrush and I walk back out to see what I just done, put down the toothbrush and start painting again. Yeah, I see yeah, something. yeah. So the separate, so after that show, oh, and then also I, I was sleeping, I had nowhere to put them, so I was, they were just hung around, and those, there were some really strange paintings in that one, especially the one dad Really felt. living in the paintings. I was living inside them, and I literally was having dreams about them, because apparently I sleep with my eyes half open, because these paintings were entering my dreams, and it was not a good thing. <laughs> I couldn't escape them, so that, I knew when that show was over that I needed to get a studio, uh-huh. And that's this studio. So I've only this is the only studio I've ever had. Yeah. Um, so I got I looked in the paper. I got this space, and that's that's it. Um, so now the separation is really important for me. Yeah. Because I otherwise I just am way too immersed in them. Mm-hmm. I, you know. So hearing you talk about your your sleep patterns and living in your paintings and them creeping into your mind even when you're trying to rest leads me to this topic of art hygiene. And how we take care of ourselves physically and emotionally, because I think these are two areas that artists probably could pay more pay more attention to, um, so yeah. that we can, you know, sustain our bodies and our minds to take take on the work that we take on, because it's it, it it's challenging at times, as For we sure. all know. Um, yeah. Well, right when you said that, I stood up stood up straight. Yeah, look at you. There goes I, your posture. I, because that's one. Th- I'm I'm amazed posture. that I haven't destroyed my back. Yeah. Because I wasn't, I never really had any awareness of that, and I, 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 the the years of slouching and hunching over a canvas, yeah. and I mean, it wasn't until pretty recently that I that I, well, actually, it was when the elevator in this building was out, and I helped my photographer carry his cases uh-huh. up the stairs when I had had I was completely sleep deprived, and you know I threw my back out, so then I realized, oh, maybe I I, I just lucked out that I didn't didn't blow my back up before that so um now i actually don't think of massage and chiropractic as a luxury i actually yeah. make a point of trying to get that done when i can i i, I always thought it was this kind of I, it just never occurred to me that that's how you take care of your body yeah i just yeah, was yeah. i had no awareness of it and i just was lucky and i'm not very i'm not i don't exercise enough i walk a lot and that's about it you know um yeah, we and, live in New York. You got to walk, which is nice. Yeah, so that's a little. So in LA, you have to force it a little more. Uh-huh. Um, but and that's great. But I but I didn't have enough awareness of it, and that's a pretty recent development. Um, and you know, I've done. I did a show that was in Milan. In a matter of just a few months, and I needed to do eight paintings, and I literally was sleeping. This is the worst it ever got. I was I slept. I think it was probably two months of literally only sleeping two or three hours a night and then taking like micro naps during the day when I just couldn't stand up anymore. 
and just not having zero life and never going out. Everything's going into these paintings. Just only making paintings, eight paintings in like, I mean, uh, and I will never do that again. I'm too yeah, I was gonna old. Say, there's, a, I, there's a cost to that, right? There, I mean, there, was, a, there was a severe cost. I just uh, went to the Norman Rockwell Museum up yeah. in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and there's a whole section. I caught this lecture, just happened to be there about okay. his, a little bit about his personal life, uh-huh. and it was a disaster. Really? Because he was 110% in his paintings all the time. Um, yeah. I mean, think of the... the uh, social cost to that and yeah. the the human cost to you know having a relationship and having yeah. children and how that completely fucks everything up so yeah. sorry there's a little bit of a tangent there but no well it's really I mean we I have get to step it. away from these I think so I mean I, now I've finally learned that and I mean I still when I'm in, when I'm in the middle of a show I don't have much of a life which is which is fine cuz this I do enjoy this I mean my girlfriend has definitely brought a lot of balance to my life that that wasn't there before but you know we were uh, most of the time well a lot of this time we were apart working on this show she was LA or somewhere else and I was here so I really was immersed in this one again but the difference was I, I swore I would never do the Italy thing again and mm-hmm. do the three hours a night for months on end because it really did wreck me and I it, it was horrible it yeah. was really stupid I mean I literally was in Milan at the VIP dinner that he held that the gallery held with these collectors and I was on the verge I, I, I was falling asleep at the table they probably was, thought you were a was, junkie yeah they must have <laughs> because I was nodding out at the table and I felt like I was about to catch pneumonia if I didn't go home yeah. and sleep right then so I just said excuse me I'm I feel this is so rude, but I have to leave and I have to go sleep right now. Yeah, yeah. It was ridiculous. I, so that was just totally unprofessional. And but I, I was, I was like, I really was gonna get sick yeah. the next minute if I'd stayed any longer. That um, makes sense. It sounds like there's a certain amount of obsession. There's absolutely obsession. I mean, I, I kind of obsess on a lot of things yeah. in life, and my work is one of them. And and but I. Luckily this time, okay, so when I got here, I was already thinking like, I'm not, I can't do that, but I, maybe I'll just start pacing myself now. I'm going to do f- five or six hours a night. And then not long after that, I, I heard, I heard two podcasts that completely changed my life. And one of them was this guy, Matthew Walker on Joe Rogan. And I don't list, I'd never listened to that podcast before, but my friend recommended it. And he said, my friend, uh, my friend Brad in Denmark said, uh, he, maybe this will scare you straight, this podcast. And I listened to it right away, and it, it absolutely did. What, what's the bullet point to it? Bullet point is get sleep. Yeah. Eight, between seven and nine hours a night. Yeah. And it was so convincing, his arguments and his re, the research he referred to. And, you know, this guy says that most ailments, if, if doctors prescribe sleep rather than pharmaceuticals we'd be much better off as a society and i I think he's right especially in america it's really it's really people are sleep deprived right right. um so anyway it it was a mind it was mind-blowing and it really did change my life and so i heard that thing and and that was it like well it doesn't matter i'm gonna get i'm gonna get eight hours a night Mm -hmm. and i was really good about it until the very end until i was about two weeks out then it that all fell apart but i knew that was coming maybe it was three weeks out but but I knew that was coming, but but the fact that I, for months, was really strict with myself about it, about getting eight hours, 
and my anxiety level plummeted and I felt great and rested. I didn't, I stopped having to take naps and I really feel, you know, so I, and it felt good to be taking care of myself and it really made a huge difference right away. And I stuck with it. I'm, I'm actually really happy that I, yeah, that I yeah. did. And I think the work would have suffered had I not done, done it that way. Yeah, I think it's one of the sort of conundrums of an artist is finding that, that balancing point between honoring the obsession and the work because yeah. we love it, yeah. but also making sure that we don't, you know, go mad. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, wise to get that rest, yeah. paying attention to the body. No, it made a big difference. Yeah, for um, sure. You mentioned yeah. um, uh, you wanted to talk... You wanted to go back into the de-skilling. Oh, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I had, I had considered, um, I was seriously considering going to grad school. So I was starting to, you know, look around in a kind of preliminary way. And I was in New York. I was still living in California. And I was visiting New York and I got connected with Peter Halley. And I went, it was when Index Magazine was going. And I met, met him at the office, showed him my work. And, uh, he just said, oh, you don't need to go to grad school. Hmm. And I was like, well, if this guy says that, then forget it. And I, I just dropped the idea right there. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then I just accepted that this is the way I work. And if that guy, and it's so different from what he does. Yeah. But I felt he saw enough in there to, you know, and I, and I, it, it would have been, it would have been a strange thing because I'm sure they would have de-skilled the shit out of me right they would have attempted to and it or just deconstructed you in some way they would have and, and I mean, your I always, skill i think would have come, will come out no matter what but maybe I, I, and and of course now part of me is really i mean part of me wonders what the hell my life would have been like if i had gone the painting route and i also wonder if i had gone to grad school uh what would my work be like it's mm-hmm. interesting to think about that yeah and maybe it would have been better maybe it would have been worse or maybe it would have uh, been the same i don't know yeah. i, I, I in it's pretty cool. Other, that, uh, it's pretty cool that Peter Haley, yeah, pr- planted that seed. Yeah, I mean, you know, we oh, were he talking just about uh, made me drop the whole yeah idea. We were talking about like radical um, consistency, consistency yeah. and he's he's sort of the the <laughs> yeah. look it up in a dictionary, and there yeah. he is. I mean, he's I mean <laughs> that act is awesome. Yeah, uh, of consistency. Yeah, I agree, um, and I love that work. Yeah, let's get into the studio, or, le- or let's talk about the studio. We're sitting in your studio now. You're in a moment of flux. Yeah. You're moving from New York to Los Angeles, packing things back up. To, yeah, back, back to, to Los Angeles. Yeah. Lock, you know, you're sort of bi-coastal yeah. in a way, or have been. I guess in a way, but it feels like a total upheaval every yeah. time. So I'm in a week, I'm, this is all going to be on the road to, to right. L.A. And it's in, it's in sort of like a packing state. Like there's <laughs> yeah. packing materials out. You've got a, you're generous and left a couple paintings out for us to talk about. Uh, but, you know... I'd say that this is maybe a 600 square foot room, 500 square foot room. You've got a couple of windows. You've got a painting rack. You've got a stereo system that you can pipe music into because mm-hmm. I know music is important. A record player that's been unplugged about to be packed away. Mm-hmm. Some storage shelves. There's a couple of uh, of cats that keep you company in here that travel with you. Yep. Um, and then, you know, the, the the tools of the trade. You've got some some additives for paints, some varnishes, uh, you know, the things that are in a painting studio. This is where I want to pivot to, you know, setting up the right conditions in your studio Mm -hmm. for that positive ideal day. Yeah. Can you identify a few ingredients, a few ingredients in in such a day? Well, I just need to have all my stuff there and kind of laid out in the way I need it in the way I organize it. I mean, uh, you know, we, 
my girlfriend travels a lot and, and, and I love traveling and she's always saying, Oh, you can just, you can work anywhere and we just pack up some stuff, you know? And I did that once brought the little travel easel, packed up everything I thought I needed, but it, it's just, I don't work well in that situation because I don't have what I really need. I'm always inevitably there be something I forgot to bring or I, and then I can't get it where I am, it, you know? So to me that I don't really feel, and you know, and it, and it takes a while to shut it down and it takes a while to get it back, back together. For and, sure. and when I get out there, I'm going to have to jump right into working and it's not, I'm not going to have time to even set it up. I have to just yeah. start working. So I'm gonna have to just scramble a little bit and, um, I mean, it won't be that bad, but, it, but you know, it sounds like sleeping somewhere new, you know, like it takes me a couple nights yeah, to like true. actually sleep. It's I mean, true. setting up a studio. I mean, these are, these are like precious sacred spaces. It's really true. And I think uh-huh. some people don't, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I can like, I can technically, I can go anywhere. I could bring all this shit with me and work wherever the hell I want to, but it's just not the same as getting everything where I need it. Right. Um, you know, so right setup. What about things like natural light or, you know, background uh, noise. Do you like music? Do you listen to radio? Do you like silence? I I hate silence usually. Although although sometimes I'll just notice. Oh wait, I forgot to put something on. Usually I have something going. It used to be strictly music. Now that everything is available to us all the time, um, I've started to listen to it. I've started actually. I never thought I would do this, but I've started to have visual stuff going while I'm working, which somehow works for me it yeah. really i just have to kind of let my mood dictate what it is yeah and i it's just whatever i feel like in that moment that's what i have to do so, so like if it's a, a podcast movie? or yeah if i if i feel like i'm just gonna cycle through some films uh, okay. i'll do that um but if i if i um you know then sometimes i want to hear an audiobook sometimes i'll want to hear my brother's podcast or sometimes i'll it's rarely silence. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, if I feel like, listen, you know, then I'll just kind of go in these phases of a certain genre of music. I'll go through that. But, it, but I think I'm a little, I'm a little more schizophrenic about that than I used to be. Cause yeah. I'll just jump from, okay, wait, no. And now I got to hear this record immediately. I was watching this movie. I have to stop it. And now yeah. I got to hear this. Um, but there's rarely silence. Right. Right. Um, what about, uh, you know, the sorts of challenges that, and distractions that pop up in the studio when, when the, it, you know, the act of painting doesn't feel right for whatever reason, or you're in, a, in some sort of rut, or you can't resolve this one corner of a painting. Do you have any strategies for trying to get over those, those sorts of challenges? Um, These are things that artists love to hear about, which is why I okay. bring well, them Well, you know, I remember... And I'm curious about. I remember a couple instances where I... Uh, w- you know, there's one area I could not get. And generally I'm like, uh, I just want to fight it and push through it. And that isn't always the best idea. So now I've kind of learned if, if I'm struggling with something instead of rather than try, you know, just keep pushing into it for hours more, I just kind of walk away and, and, but it, it is hard for me to remember that. And, and if I'm trying to resolve something, I have to, sometimes I don't remember that. And then I just keep working some area. And I think sometimes stuff does get overworked, and that's that's a pain in the ass when that happens. I try now to leave stuff a little more open than I used to, but mm-hmm. but I will now. I think I'm better now at just walking away because I do I do spend so many concentrated hours just looking at this. I mean, even this time, the last few months, I really didn't have much of a life here. I could have the studio could have been anywhere. I could mm-hmm. you know I didn't 
I wasn't really taking advantage of being in New York. I wasn't seeing most of my friends very much at all, just the ones that are right around here. I wasn't going out and doing these. I was just working seven days a week. I was in the studio every single day for months and months and yeah. months, working every day, um, which I enjoy, but it, it's nice when there's more. I'm just not good at balancing it. Uh -huh. And I've gotten better, but it's really incremental, and I'm still not great at it. So I kind of am in work mode, and I'm in just I'm in that phase and I'm just hyper focused on all of it and then and I start to have you know I start to look at the calendar and realize oh wait I have to do all this in how many days that's not right, possible right I feel like time is probably a huge obstacle for yeah you. I and mean, I'm uh, you're always on deadline and yeah. I mean the amount of time and thinking and you know dedication to use that word again that goes into these paintings is is astronomical I'm sure I mean, it, I mean, that's got to be something that you're wrestling with all the time. Time. Let's talk about audience, because one of the, the things that I uh, um, observed at the opening, or seeing pictures, I regretfully missed the opening, but you know, obviously, you sort of catch up on these things through the social media aspect. Um, it was the audience at your opening, and it was vast and diverse, which I really appreciated. And I've always thought that your work sort of transcends scene in a certain way, um, probably because of the history of, of, of the arc of your work being in more commercial illustrative settings uh as well as more you know contemporary art galleries and i know that um you you've done album artwork for uh, uh different types of musicians which have different types of audiences i know some of the early supporters of your work and patrons were um people from hollywood uh, in the film industry so when I saw pictures of your opening, I saw all these different people. It was like the cafeteria to high school in, in the most beautiful way, if, if you understand I what like I mean. That, it wasn't just yeah. like one table. Um, but can you talk about that audience and how you've sort of developed it over time and, and how mm. you think your work might connect to all these different types of people? Um, well, I know, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, since I lived here for 15 years before this, before moving to L.A., I had there's a, you know, there's a kind of, and I taught at SVA for seven years. So there's a core of people here, I guess, that, yeah. that probably would have come to any, you know, to just because, just because they know me. Um, and I, I don't, I, I, again, I was still pretty, I was, well, that, that was a really pretty crazy opening. Um, I've never had an opening like that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I just did the cover for Tyler, the creator. I'd done it, I guess a, a few months before I left or something. Yeah. And the, t the record was scum fuck flower boy, yeah, exactly. which I think is a pretty great title. That's a good title. <laughs> then they, I think the label probably had him narrow it down just to flower boy, but I think I still call it that. Oh, okay. Um, but so, you know, he texted me a couple of days before and said, Hey, when's your, you know, I didn't really believe he was going to come, but he's like, Oh no, I'll be there. And then he, so he showed up and people flipped out about that. Yeah. I'm still hearing about people like, I can't believe I, you know, he was there. Yeah. Um, and a couple other, yeah, yeah just like, I don't know. It was, it was, it was pretty crazy. And, and, uh, I, I didn't really, I, I didn't really know how to process it, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that answers the question. But, no, but well, I mean, maybe there's not really a uh, defined answer, but I think it is a salute to the types of people that gravitate towards your pictures. So I, oh, think, I think that's a nice thing. Um, thanks. Yeah, it was great. I was yeah. really happy about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's rare that I'm in a... Um, 
I, for whatever reason, I, I, I've steered away from this kind of common question, but it's the, it's the post-show sort of recovery period mm-hmm. um, and, and asking an artist how they're feeling after their show has mm-hmm. been up and then closed because we put so much time yeah. and love into the work and then there's an, an, uh, you know, an opening for two hours and the show is up for a month. And, and th- like the, the equation is out of whack, right? Because yeah. you spend a year, if not more, yeah. making this body of work. Yeah, and there's no this sense. like crescendo and then it's flatness. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling? Are you feeling positive about what you put forward in the response? Is there any sort of like, you know, for lack of a better term, um, postpartum blues or anything like this? Oh, there definitely was. Yeah. yeah. And also in the, in, in the run of, during the run of the show, somebody stole the guest book. Oh, that's right. And I have no idea. I didn't even bother to look in it because I was going to wait till the end and just, you know, take photos of every page or whatever. And it, I, I know there was a hell of a lot in there and I'll never know what that was. Mm-hmm. It hasn't um, turned up because no. you put like a reward. I put out. a reward. I, yeah. I posted about it and people have been really, really supportive. People still ask me like, oh, did you ever find, you know, people I don't even know. Like, did you find that thing? Yeah. Like, that sucks that he did that. That was really depressing. And then, yeah, the show ended and it's just, it's, it just doesn't make sense because you it was a year and a half of my life at least i mean it was a year and a half, year and a half of actually making these things then they go up they're up and it was up for a little longer it was over the holidays it was over miami so it, you know it, and it got they got a lot of traffic and it was great but and I, we got a little bit of press but it but it, and some things sold and i was happy about all that i love the gallery i love everything that works there i mean they were they're super professional. I really actually enjoy them all as people. They're really just kind, generous people. Um, you know, I'm friends with the owner and his family, and mm-hmm. it's it's just it's an amazing situation. I'm super grateful for it. But it, but I just felt like I put so much, and there's nothing anyone can do about this. No, it's I just, just said there's not really a solution. There's, no, there's not a solution. That's what I yeah. mean. The whole thing is just kind of fucked. Because it's one of the things that we have to sort of develop a hide for as artists uh, this is sort it. of the 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 rhythm that we have to go through um you know we're start you're, we're sort of weaving in and out of this um notion of satisfaction when we're satisfied with our work and what yeah. what sort of drives us forward for the next one is there anything i mean i sometimes think that once i get a a, a painting done that doesn't keep me up at night anymore and it's like it's not bothering me it's like close yeah. to being yeah. good or like yeah. i'm okay with it but the reason to get back into the studio is because I think I can I, I can improve upon that. Yeah. Are, what are the driving forces for you to keep returning back and taking on this this epic journey to realize one of these things? Well, usually it's just kind of the impending deadline. Going back you know? to time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just I have to get a certain amount of things done. I, I think making a good painting, and I don't know how many ones that I've made, I could I mean, I think I've made some good ones. I, I just think it's a really hard thing to do to, to, I mean, I, it's, I'm, I'm a tough critic and so I, and I am with, you know, I need to do something that's interesting to me and, and, and it's hard to, to do that. It's hard to get something to the right degree of weirdness, but not overly weird. And, not, you know, and, and the composition is important. The technique's important. Uh, you know the kind of underlying narratives you know it's it's all it's just a lot of there are a lot of factors yeah um that all have to line up in just the right way and it's really hard to do so yeah. so but i do and i do like that challenge of you know and also you know i probably there are probably a couple of series i've done that i could have just 
cruised with and and been okay and sold them and but i really like i said i i don't i'm i'm not easily satisfied with my work so i and i also push myself to to kind of do things i haven't done and to do something new i can't i can't i i would just get bored if i got too locked into something and it didn't i i need it needs to stay moving you know that's the way i think about it. even though you say it's consistent i appreciate that um and i guess it is it it just i just i I, it needs to like i i was it just it just i just need it to to continue to evolve i i I feel like if i if i just stuck with something it would be like dying in a way right (laughs) it needs to just keep moving right some in some respect right and let me let me let me qualify my my consistent term when i say consistent i mean that you're not making like a u-turn in the middle of your practice right um obviously the imagery is changing the compositions are changing yeah there's new stories being presented there's new pictures and objects being uh depicted um you know, this one feels like a, like a departure from the more scenic stuff. And, and I'm referring to the hands going into the wall thing. It's very yeah. sexual, this one, too. I guess that's what I mean. But the consistency is, is the, the amazing uh, um, technical ability, ability and craft. And, um, I mean, some of the reoccurring, reoccurring motifs are like these relationships. Like yeah. The relationships between two hands or yeah. two cars, for example. In the for two, sure. Uh, in the three big paintings. That you just presented yeah well in the foreground of that building in denver right like yeah. those two cars can act as figures yeah right? for sure does that make sense but anyway absolutely anyways. no and i i really did take that as a yeah. compliment because i don't yeah, think yeah. anyone's said that to me before and now it makes me it's making me think about it but there are definitely conceptual threads that are running through yeah everything from the very beginning absolutely and and those are things i guess i just can't escape in my work and and this is the way even though it it's really difficult sometimes it's the way i choose to work uh, absolutely know. i think i think so i think um just to rebound my own experience is line and drawing is an yeah. absolute foundation everything i do yeah. and that probably will never go away so that's maybe my yeah bit of consistency mm-hmm. um i mean it like what's on top of that sort of changes but there's yeah. always going to be some gestural line in there yeah uh, yeah anyways yeah and i think does that, that make um, sense no it, it yeah. absolutely does yeah. and um you know it was a real it was really liberating when I realized, okay, this is just the way I work. I don't have to, because I, I sometimes look at work that's less controlled and I I envy that. I envy, I envy people's, you know, I envy people that don't have to set these things, you know, like to build something out before they even get to painting. Like I have friends that can just start working and I can't really do that. And, but it was, it's kind of freeing to just realize, oh, that's just the way I work. And that's not bad. I used to think that it was, that I should maybe find some other right, way. Like but you're I, but doing I, something wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah Cause I, there are f- many examples of that I can think of, yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. like, Oh my God, I wish I could just go in there and s- make these shapes and then it'll be done. You know, like yeah, just, yeah. and I do that sometimes just on my own, just for fun, but I, I it's not going to end up in my work really. Um, and I just, the day I felt okay with that was, was definitely kind of a liberating moment you know yeah, of course i mean i think accept, so. acceptance i guess for sure yeah it's acceptance you know? it's like you know uh wrestling with this notion of artistic self-doubt yeah um which you know creeps in at 
yeah. different points of the process. And, and I it's think that's certainly still there. It's, so. you know, the metaphor is it's par for the course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, what, um, what the last great piece of culture you, yeah, you it was the Helma show. Helma show. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of people refer to that. What a, what a moving show that was. Or and also just what it's up for a few more weeks. Yeah. It's up through like mid April or something. Okay. But I, I mean, I, uh, that's the most important show I've seen there. Probably the most important show I've seen in New York. I, I don't know. I just like the fact that art history can be upended like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a woman. I mean, it's just, and also yeah. the spiritual aspect really interests me too. Yeah, because the magic and the mysticism and the channeling. Like yeah. sh- that's the documentation is that these, that these entities were channeled and the, the work because her work had nothing to do with that. She decided to commit to this three year process or whatever it was and make this work that she was instructed to make by these entities. Yeah. I just love stuff like that. Yeah. That's beyond explanation. I mean, I'm sure there are people that are saying, oh, she was just insane and this is what she did. But I, because I've had, uh, even in my own, a tiny way in my own work, and I've experienced it firsthand with like a couple people that are actual channels, I know that's real. So when I hear that, that makes me even more interested in it yeah. and fascinated by it. Excellent. Eric, it's been a, a, you know, to end on like kind of a <laughs> bizarro <laughs> note. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this has been, uh, you know, so great to catch up in this Thanks, way man. and to, uh, go into how these are made and some of the ideas in them and your process has been so fascinating to learn more about. Oh, thanks. And, um, you know, good luck with packing up and getting West and, thank and you. next time I'm out there, I want to come, come by the studio and yeah, check for out what sure. you're making. Definitely. Thanks Eric. All right. Thank you. We've made it to the end. A quick reminder that Deep Color is independently produced and a free resource for listeners. Help support and sustain this project by making a donation online at deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also learn more about each contributing artist, find links to their online portfolios, and access the archive of past recordings. Be sure to share this project within your community and subscribe and rate in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks for listening, and check back soon for a new episode.